Alrighty, how's everyone doing today? Good, good. Pain week going well? It's a silly question. Of course it's going well. Um, we tend to have fun up here, and you walked in this room because it said thug drugs. Welcome aboard. Um, <laughs> we're here to have fun, so let, let's do that. Um, in the big picture here, though, you know, we're going to go over thug drugs. We're going to go over illicit substances. But I, I beg of you, especially as clinicians or quite frankly even lay people in the community, uh, that we really do need to take a step further and, and know a little bit more about these things. Um, you can't have a conversation with patients without knowing the whole patient. And it turns out a lot of people make decisions to utilize things that are remarkably similar to pharmaceutical products. So let's get there. Um, in case you weren't here yesterday, I guess, um, a little bit of a background for myself, so who in the world is this guy? Um, family full of pharmacists, we've got eight drug dealers um, across the whole globe, uh, technically the eighth one there. Even one right here in the second row today, he's moving up, third row yesterday, my uh, father-in-law, uh, Pete. Uh, there's also, we have the uh, family vineyard over in Italy, so if this drug thing didn't work out for me as a pharmacist, ah, vino. Um, <laughs> Speaking of that, hey, if, uh, the, the, here's my uh, pictorial CV, if you will. Uh, if you want to know me, they're all up there. Future Dr. Garofli, maybe. Uh, Mrs. Dr. Garofli, the, the brains behind it all, if you will. Uh, we came up with that for our anniversary pictures. I'd encourage anyone, especially if you're just getting married in Vegas, um, to do that. <laughs> yeah. They're on the way to Fremont Street Experience, and that does not make sense. I was there last night. It's crazy. Um, that's the niece, two nieces over towards the left here too. We all have a blast in life, so let's continue that here today. As far as disclosures, I had the opportunity to, to hang out on an advisory panel a couple times, good times, and apparently, as I said yesterday, I have to tell you that anything I'm saying is not the views of WVU, because why would it be? It's a university. Uh, what we're going to do today is cover illicit substances, how you can put it into your practice, what you need to know to help patients, uh, possibly even family and friends as well too. What are we going to talk about? Take a look at some of these slang terms, if you will. If any of them catch your eye, I'll be surprised if they don't, but if any of them catch your eye, keep it in the back of your head, and if we don't cover it today, it means I talk too much, because this is what we're covering today. Uh, some of the, I hear the whispers. This is whispering time, yes. You're like, what's that one? What's well, Jeepers, creepers, Scooby Snacks. What's he selling up there? All right, first off, illicit substances. We're going basic here, but what's an illicit substance? Obviously, DEA. Mm, DEA, Schedule Class 1, right? So, of course, things like marijuana and whatnot. In our country, I would challenge you to think about the whole globe. Uh, so a little bit of a step further, what's an illicit substance? Any controlled substance, if it's not for the right person or the right intention. So, hydrocodone for me, for back pain, I use it for my neck. Illicit substance user, technically, maybe, is the DEA, I don't know, I hope not. Um, but keep thinking. Uh, you know, when it comes to some of these things we're going to talk about here today, you know, even heroin, diacetylmorphine, it's legal in many a countries across the globe, or at least decriminalized. Even our friends to the north, oh, Canada, legalized heroin as well. They're not that far away. Uh, marijuana, that's a, there was a talk this morning, uh, Dr. Chapman went, went into great detail on the controversies with that. We'll touch on a little bit here today, but keep thinking. When it comes to legality, is it subjective or objective? Of course, law is objective. Any JDs in the house here today? Of course it's objective. JDs, close your ears. Alcohol, ethyl alcohol. Legal? Illegal? Legal. Always ethyl alcohol. Sounds subjective. 
Yeah, I'm going to go there. <laughs> Where I'm going with this, this I, it's Tiger Woods, of course. Um, I, I wanted to pick somebody that we could all know. and Not pick on, pick somebody that we could all know. My point here is that everybody has bad days. You're in Vegas, you might have a bad time at the roulette wheel betting on two because it's your kid's age and it didn't work out. You might have a good day if it worked out. And he had a lot of good days. There's one of the many trophies. There's also a bad day. Uh, you know, driving under the influence and whatnot. And ironically, did not involve alcohol, of course. A lot of the things that we have highlighted here as far as these substances. Substances that you and I are familiar with prescribing, dispensing, consulting on, whatever. Uh, but breathalyzer was nothing with alcohol. Um, however, the story does keep going on, of course. To quote the same gentleman, he could always become better. And we can talk for hours on substance use disorder, addiction, and whatnot, but keep that in mind. You know, everybody has bad days, even someone as prominent as him, of course. So what's going on in our country when it comes to illicit substances? If those arrows weren't there that I added, this might look a little complicated, convoluted, and you probably wouldn't be wondering what's going on. But the bottom line is that over the last couple decades, if you will, I don't know if you heard, but heroin use was going up. Of course. So that meant, you know, a simple market, the MBA thing that was up there, I could tell you supply and demand, I'm sure you could tell me too. It meant cocaine use went down. The tricky part about this slide is that it ends in 2015. It does not account for the current market right now. Sorry, I couldn't get a study with the fancy graph. But I can tell you that in talking with uh, our chief medical examiner in our state about two weeks ago, that now, confirmed on our streets, heroin dealers are given a free bag of meth with the heroin. How, how you know, I, I'm not making it up, and uh, like I often say, I don't have to make things up. This is our world. We'll talk about meth, don't worry. Okay, so let's get a little clinical in this sea of illicit substances. Therapeutic index. I'm sure many of you know, I'm not asking for hands here, difference between what's going to help you and what's going to hurt you. What's going to help you and what's going to kill you. The more wiggle room you have, the better off we are as far as dosing goes. Now, we commonly know this with things like levothyroxine, warfarin, and the list goes on. Really, only about six or seven deep, actually, for narrow therapeutic index drugs. So the larger this bar, the more wiggle room you have. What's at the top? Ah, tricky. This is not saying proponent or anything like that, but just one specific instance of it as far as the therapeutic index. Uh, I often ask, oh, does anybody, anything stand out on this list? Anybody? Nutmeg! Ah, oh, we got multiple people saying it. What in the world is nutmeg doing in my slides? Um, it's in my spice cabinet, too. Too much of anything can hurt you. I, it, I could put chocolate up here, too, especially for uh, little bow wows. Too much of anything can hurt anyone. It all comes down to the dose. So, changing it up once again here. Uh, anyone ever heard of this website, streetrx.com? Yep, a couple hands. Uh, I tried to make this as relevant to Vegas as possible, so here's some street drug prices that are quoted on this website from Vegas three months ago. Um, the market is actually, according to this, pretty remarkable around here because this de debatable MME thing that's floating around, turns out the streets knew MMEs before we did. They, it was a buck a milligram for oxy. Right? Okay, then we, we fancy science people came along and said, the MME factor for oxycodone is 1.5. You know what the streets did? Buck and a half a milligram. <laughs> and we're still debating. 
Oh, you didn't hear that anywhere else. Uh, so the prices are really good here in Vegas, apparently, three months ago, because that's not 1.5, but just saying. Uh, the reason I really show this is because this is one port part. It's kind of like the Wall Street ticker of the illicit side, the dark side of the streets, if you will. But if you look kind of down here, if you could see it, one of the clicks on here is actually uh, a link to SAMHSA for treatment sites for substance use disorder. It's really easy to remember something funky like that, like we talked about, to help a patient get referred. We've all seen these types of things. Uh, drug use is everywhere. This war on drugs has been around since we figured out that when lightning hits water in a puddle, it turns into alcohol. I'm getting a little off there, but there's always been a war on drugs. And in my opinion, there will always be a war on drugs. That will not end. There's enough substances out there to, if you think of that other chart, heroin, cocaine, it will always be around. Sadly, of course. But a lot of these uh, kind of funky movies, if you will, up top involve various uh, substances, things like opioids here, meth here, everything known to man here, cocaine, cocaine, and cocaine. And then down bottom, some tragedies with famous people. The, one of my points I'm getting to here is this is embedded in our society like no other. Yet, more often than not, when I ask questions, especially of student pharmacists and then professionals like yourself, even in, in talks like this today, Nobody knows the answers for kind of tricky questions that we'll go over. It's, it's everywhere. It's even in the music. It, it's Vegas. couldn't wait to do that, I'll be honest with you. Um, the doors are supposed to be open so that the, the Deborah and everybody in charge is here. So, oh my gosh, what's he doing? Um, but let's get real with that part there. A lot of these songs that are up here, actually, you can obviously see like Eric Clapton's Cocaine, duh. Uh, Rolling Stones apparently really like to sing about heroin. A couple other ones are a little bit hidden. That What we just played there, like a G6, the answer's up there, but a G6 is one of those really fast planes, so if you're flying high like a G6, you're robo-tripping on dextromethorphan. We'll go over it. Um, I could actually make four to five slides of this, but we're going to spare you, and there's only 50 minutes, and a really good talk coming up right afterwards, so I will make note that with things like that plane, we're not going to worry about keeping you awake. <laughs> the only one in our school of pharmacy that never has to worry about keeping students awake. Craziest Venn diagram you're ever going to see in your life, as far as I'm concerned. This is going over the mechanisms of action of these illicit substances, which is kind of what I would like to concentrate on here today. Right, smack dab in the middle, cannabinoids, lots of talk about these, them these days. But it's very convoluted, it's mixed, and, and as complicated as that is to look at, let's take a look at a couple of these substances here today. With that in mind, as far as mechanisms of action, what I'd concentrate on is just like our clinical pharmaceutical products. A lot of things work on serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, and of course our illustrious opioid receptors, different types along the way. Couple examples structure-wise, don't worry about that just now, but as far as the effects. But in general, just keeping in mind those four main things to see how um, these different products work along the way. Three or four bigger headings, if you will, the hallucinogens. I'd love to talk about these for another half an hour, but we got to cut it down this year, I guess. So, N-bomb. 
NBOM is a hallucinogen. It's actually an easy one for us to identify because the majority of the time, if not all the time, it actually says NBOM on it. And what, I don't want you, what I would want you to remember is basically NBOM is a hallucinogen. That way at least you're along those same lines as some of the other products. And by products, I mean the second generation atypical antipsychotics that are selective serotonin and bum. What's, what's the difference? Other than it's not regulated, there's no dose, there's whatever. But uh, first one right off the bat, think about the mechanism. What's different? Uh, LSD, that was in that fear and, fear and loathing or whatever in Las Vegas. Uh, when I watched that movie, I didn't waste three hours of my life or however long it is because I was on a bike too. But, oh my goodness, all it is is just two guys going around Vegas using different thug drugs for like a weekend or something. Those that saw it, you're shaking your head, so all right. Um, that typically is something that uh, we don't typically incorporate in pharmaceutical products. If you look at these here, um, they look really cool. They're really tiny. A kid would love to lick that just because it looks nice. That's very scary for what's out in our community. Ketamine, also a hallucinogen, also a pharmaceutical product, even currently. It's a controlled substance class three. What's it doing in my presentation? Special K, somebody said it. Um, if the, uh, as far as mechanism of action for this, if there's ever the easiest question on a multiple choice test that you don't have to worry about, it's all the above. How's this work? Yes. How's this work? All the above. Uh, is it a yes? Is it a yes? Uh, it's, it's like you could do a book on this and teach pharmacology. No worries, it wasn't like a G6. <laughs> oh, oh boy, if it was. Um, Mexi, MXE, but Mexi. That brings up um, a, hit, a brief history lesson. 2010. 2010 was the year that started the Me Too movement in the streets. And by Me Too, I literally mean Me Too, methyl 2. Add another methyl group, and you change the substance. Some are smiling. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The DEA controlled substance, class 1 listing. Any of the classes, actually, but class 1 listing. If you're on the list, you're illegal. If you're not on the list, you're not illegal. Doesn't mean you're legal, but you're not illegal. You take substance X, add a methyl to it, you're not on the list. Victory. Street chemists are very intelligent human beings. Around 2010, for some reason, there was an uptick in a lot of these things. Mexi was one of the first ones there. We'll have a couple others as far as these stimulants later. PCP. You may have heard these mechanisms floating around for alternatives in pain management this week, but NMDA antagonist, anticholinergic, tons of side effects. But in this realm, we want the side effects. Remember that. And dopamine along the way. Uh, what in, in this smaller picture here, you have PCP in the white. If you mix it with oregano of all things, you get this darker substance here. You think they could have chose something better than oregano? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm saying that there's a lot of intelligence in the streets, but then sometimes I just wonder. So, psychedelic mushrooms. Serotonin, serotonin, serotonin. Hence, under hallucinogens. There's a lot of mushrooms out there that qualify and have this psilocybin, the, the ingredient that's in it. Uh, there's actually, a, I think, 200 different uh, species. or genre. I'm, I'm not a plant guy, so I don't know how that goes. But there's like 200 different ones out there. That doesn't mean that you could go out in the desert and pick them here or if it rain a mountain. There's 200, but they're not everywhere, of course. Peyote cacti. Um, th this would be the use for the, uh, my profession as a pharmacist, we're commonly depicted either with that dreaded pill counter or the mortar and pestle. Here's a use for a mortar and pestle, because nine out of a 10 of us don't use a mortar and pestle anymore. But you actually slice and dice the cactus. Just picture a regular cactus, really tall. Slice, dice it like Fruit Ninja. 
uh, put it into water so that it's extracted, boil it down, you're left with a nice little crystal, more powder than crystal. And there you go. You have a atypical antipsychotic that is abused in the streets. Ecstasy, probably rampant, like a couple blocks from here. <laughs> it's everywhere. Uh, we did the music thing. Miley Cyrus, uh, one of her songs, uh, We Can't Stop, We Won't Stop, Trippin' on Molly. I just sang, wow. <laughs> Clearly not good at that. Um, she was quoted to say, oh, it's not Molly, I'm saying Miley. What, what, are, you, what are you, walking around tripping people? Of course you said Molly. <laughs> I, why is it called Molly? It's short for molecule. That's like the nerdiest street term I've ever heard. <laughs> I expect better. <laughs> But it's called MOLLY, MDMA, MOLLY. There's a couple other um, acronyms like that that can get confused with that. But uh, again, just like LSD was, this is very attractive to the youth. Uh, what, do, what do you, um, well, I won't ask you, what would I say to somebody going to a rave that's clearly going to be using MOLLY? Stay thirsty, my friends. Why would I say that? When somebody ends up in the ER because they have used, misused, abused, whatever we go with MOLLY, uh, hyperthermia is typically setting in, so stay hydrated. That's what some of the experts would say if they wanted to plan words, so stay thirsty. Keep, keep, I guess I should use my own terminology. All right, so that was hallucinogens in, in a very big nutshell. Let's go on to stimulants. Yep. <laughs> Anybody use coffee? It's in the same grouping. Oh, oh by the way, I didn't raise my hand. Uh, I should, though. So, coffee to cocaine. Whew, he skipped a few, didn't he? <laughs> oh, how can you not have fun with this? <laughs> Nicknames, coke, speed, you guys know them. I, we don't have to go over that. That's the actual coca plant. So a lot of our tax dollars are, are used to blow up coca fields. The poor farmers. They could have grew tomatoes, they could have grew coffee, but they choose to grow coca because they'll get a little bit more margin on the plants. Turns out El Chapo gets no hit on that. It's going to cost the farmer a dollar. We're going to keep blowing up their fields, though. That's what we do. Uh, there I'm basically taking an excerpt out of Narconomics. It's a bunch of economists talking about what we're doing in the war on drugs. More importantly for us, this is a C2. Walk into a hospital. I, I, I can't give you guarantees, but I can pretty much guarantee that a hospital probably has it. Heck of an anesthetic. You guys know that, but just remember, it's already a C2. Most of these, I'm talking about how they are very much like a pharmaceutical product, but this one still is, and it's cocaine. Scarface was on that other slide. Why wasn't like a local hospital on there? Very common mechanisms of action, as you guys are starting to see already. So some slang terms. I would bet to say that most know them, but I wouldn't want you to leave here without knowing it. In case you hear a patient talking about it, as you can see down at the bottom here, and I'm sure you've seen in lots of media and movies, snorting in lines. Everything's always done in a line, typically cut with a $100 bill or a razor or whatever they want to use. But the, the dose, if you will, here's where we come in. The dose is way cooler than our, our kinetics that we talk about. There's bumps and there's rails. Think about a speed bump, that's a little small thing. And then choo-choo rails that my kid would talk about, they go across the whole country, they're really big. That's how you can remember bumps and rails are types of lines of cocaine. Why do they call crack crack? Think of Rice Krispie treats. Yes, somebody said it. <laughs> when you burn it, you put it in the spoon, you burn it and before you're gonna snort it or inject it or whatever, uh, it's gonna crackle. It's because they took cocaine and added baking soda to it. Fancy ingredient. So crack is crack because it snap crackle pops. It's just cracks. Another um, 
quandary of stimulants here, meth. Now, it kind of alluded to that. I actually learned something about meth over lunch because I always learn from my father-in-law. Thank you. Uh, this bottle, uh, apparently it's, it's thicker uh, plastic. So if somebody was to have a meth lab, they'd want to use this to make it as compared to other bottles. I'm not going to say the name because we're recording, but I, I find that amazing. There's so many things that go into making meth, if you will. I'd venture to say that most of you have probably seen Breaking Bad. As you know, the oh, heads are going now. <laughs> Great show. I've watched it. Um, lots of seasons on there. If Walter Wright was a pharmacist, it would have been one episode and it would have been very boring. It's what we do. It's, uh, you know, he went from doing the, um, the Sudafed way, if you will, to going to the industrial way to make the blue stuff. Ironically, the, those that are seeking Sudafed or Pseudoephedrine from stores uh, are called Smurfs. That's, even though if you do it the other way, the industrial way, it gives you the blue product. I don't understand it. Um, we, we really messed up as a world when it, came to, when it comes to meth. As I mentioned, now they're handing out for free. So our next epidemic crisis situation is going to be a stimulant thing. It's common. Um, when you think about what, what uh, the other side was doing to make meth, they took a product, if you watch Breaking Bad, of course you know, P2P. So to make meth, you would use this precursor P2P. And then you make meth, and it's pretty cheap. So the DEA, the International Narcotics, everybody starts limiting P2P. So then they went and they got the pseudoephedrine, which takes a lot longer and it's really annoying and yada, 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 but you do it and then you make meth. Well, we've cracked down on that. Guess who's the most adaptive thing in the world? The streets. So now, present day, since we have wonderful shipping things, the precursor to the precursor, so P2P precursor, is available and being shipped in from Asia. And then they make P2P and now they make meth. And then they hand it out for free when you buy heroin. And all along, it's a prescription medication. Raise your hand if you knew meth was a prescription medication. 17, about 21 people. Rain, man, I know. Um, out of everyone. And that, that's one of those questions I was talking about earlier where it's desoxin. In case you're in the back there, it's a little tougher to see. But um, I'm not by any means saying that pharmacies have this in stock. I'd honestly be amazed, and that would be in a courtroom too, I'm sure. But it's available as a prescription product. And here we are as clinicians, and not many knew that. That's why we're here today, to have some fun. So I'm going to quit picking on meth, since it's a prescription medicine and in, in my court. Uh, cot. Uh, if you, sorry. If you've seen uh, Captain Phillips, the Tom Hanks movie, they were the pirates that took over the ship and yada, yada. It constantly looked like this gentleman with cot sticking out, um, cheeking it, basically. It, it's a stimulant just like anything else, like the coffee, like the cocaine, very well accepted in society in this region here off the coast of Africa. Think Somalia, like the pirates. Um, but certainly come to this country as well, too. It's already here, of course, but generally accepted across the uh, big pond there. So going back to the 2010 movement, the Me Too movement again, we have bath salts and gravel. Bath salts, at least the records of it, really hit our country in my state of West Virginia. Near 2010, we had media headlines talking about, at least one anyway, a guy jumping from rooftop to rooftop with an axe in his hand. Again, I don't need to make stories up. Uh, it's a stimulant. Uh, it's a cathinone, if you will. Um, another cathinone that you may be familiar with is uh, bupropion. It's in the same class. Does it have anything to do with bath salts? Structurally, yeah. Anything else? Nah. 
But keep that in mind, very similar to prescription products. Scrabble was basically, it's just me too, too movement and change it up a little bit more and you get the, um, what looks like gravel instead of what we call bath salts, if you will. All right, so marijuana, because we didn't talk about that enough this week. So the origin of 420, who, um, keep it raised. And if you know of this term 420, raise your hand. All right, so it's uh, mostly everybody. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. We're not doing jumping jacks, not, not too big. Um, keep, the hand, keep your hand raised if you know what the actual origin is. That's why his hand's raised the highest. It's about four people. Uh, 420 uh, originated, and there, there's a lot of controversy out there, but as far as the good sources, uh, even Wikipedia actually, uh, but uh, of some others that are better too. Um, out in California, a group of students would go out by this statue of Louis Pasteur, and they'd say, hey, we'll meet at 420. And that makes kind of sense to us now because we already know the slang, but at the time it meant absolutely nothing. And then it caught on internationally. So if you leave pain week, at least you learned 420, right? Uh, a little bit further into the weeds here, it's impossible not to make puns with marijuana. Uh, difference with THC and CBD, there's a lot actually. A uh, previous speaker today uh, had already talked a little bit about the, the intended effects, if you will, with THC compared to CBD. Now, I like to point it out with my sativa socks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a little bit of confusion, I think, in a, in a lot of areas. I, I've been walking around all day with these, and they're coming off as soon as I'm done. <laughs> walking around Vegas with sativa socks just doesn't work out. Anyway, for those in the back, there's a sativa plant on my sock as compared to indica. So if you're looking, uh, my sativa socks are more of that THC, the euphoria, whereas CBD is a little bit more in, in indica um, plants, and that's where we're seeing that quote-unquote medical side of things. So uh, highlighted up towards the top here a little bit more, but jumping from the plant of marijuana, which has more carcinogens in it than smoking tobacco, just saying. Uh, that's why some states, like myself, even my own state, uh, where medical marijuana was legalized, they've said that you, not the smoking product, everything else, basically. And people were in an uproar about that, and it's all about safety, so go figure. Uh, synthetic, that's where we get our spice, our Scooby snacks, all those terms there. That's just taking uh, and making this marijuana and putting it with something, yep, oregano again, uh, or even just marijuana itself to enhance the strength of it. Uh, extractions. The way I'd remember that, like the dab there, a little dab will do it. Um, that's why the, it, it's concentrated. Just like if you think about espresso compared to coffee, it's all in how you make it. It's just more concentrated, basically. Now, here's one that really throws me for a loop. KD. Who's heard about KD? It was in the news about two, three weeks ago. So you take marijuana, the plant form, and you spray it with a raid or any insecticide, and then you smoke it, and you walk around like a zombie. Why are you giving me those looks? <laughs> this is what people are doing. This is what we're up against in the war on drugs. <laughs> is there enough debate on all of this stuff that now we're spraying it with a raid? <laughs> I mean, man. Yeah. So just emphasizing the Scooby Snacks thing. When I do this uh, type of talk for students, I literally hand out Scooby Snacks, but I wasn't about to ship like a ton of Scooby Snacks out to Vegas to make that happen for you guys, so I'm sorry. 
Um, but you'll probably still remember it if you didn't know it already anyway. Uh, there, there's the you know, dog versions and then the gummy versions, the human versions, and then Scooby Snacks, the actual spice, if you will, synthetic marijuana. So what do we need, really need to know? If you remember, like, do three things about marijuana, cannabinoids, whatever we want to call them, adverse effects and interactions. That's what it always comes down to. Adverse effects, I'm going to leave to your imagination. I know you already know them. I want to respect that. As far as interactions, here's what you need to know. Depends on which product. You start with the marijuana plant or even some of these extracts, and you got a lot of different products in there, a lot of different cannabinoids and a lot of other stuff, hundreds of things. When you whittle it down like some of these extractions are attempting to do, depending on the product, you have to worry about SIP, 2C9, 2C19, or 3A4. Can you think of any medications that would be a problem? <laughs> Darn Lipitor even, or Xanax, you know. Uh, here's just a visual version of what a lot of people cover as far as the movement of legalizing medical marijuana. Had to update it this year, Oklahoma joined the crew, and of course it started in California like everything else. A long time ago, actually, like 20 years, and, and it's progressing. This isn't talking recreational, it's just medicinal along the way. My state was the 29th uh, last year, and it goes active next year, and we'll see, because it's very political. Yep. So, can you? My cop-out for having this in here is obviously this thing. I'm not worried about that. What we want to go over. What we want to go over here is the, the fact that you could even have marijuana pizza. And many of you will know that, have already known that already, and many will not have. Uh, in, in my state, for example, it is only legal to, next year anyway, to give the actual product, the, the oil, if you will. What the patient, customer, whatever we figure out, does with it is up to them. They can go home and make pizza. They can make pop. They can make brownies, of course. I'm giving a, a marijuana talk in about a month at, at our university, and I de they always have really good food at this particular one. I demanded that they serve brownies. I was, <laughs> I, I was, I, and, and they, the way like you did, they laughed at him. Like, I'm dead serious. <laughs> like, so we're serving brownies. Anyways, see, lots of products. There's even THC breathalyzers that are out there. This is not new. Uh, as you can see, even the, the reference here is from a couple years ago. Uh, nothing new here, but the world that we live in. So opiates and opioids. Let's, let's get to the, the big stuff here. Uh, this series that you see on the left here, you'll commonly see as a cycle. And, and I tend to disagree with that because once you end up on heroin, a person ends up on utilizing heroin. It's not typically, again, a start over to something like hydrocortisone or morphine. Once you're there, you're there, at least tolerance-wise. So this is the typical thing of somebody starting out with, say, hydrocodone. Let's pick on that. And then they use Dr. Google, and they figure out that oxycodone, even the combo, would be better. Dr. Google then tells them to get rid of that acetaminophen, and it'll be even better. Buck and a half a milligram, just saying. And then at some point, that's way too costly. Four to $800 a day for the habit. And for 60 bucks, you get the same thing done with heroin, but you got to get over the fear of the needle. That's where studies like this come up into play. This is the main study that has been referenced so many times even this week, but in general within our country when it comes to, to laws and everything that's out there. This is the one. Thousands of people, utilizers of heroin, and where about 75% of them said that they started on prescription opioids. Now, what I would... Uh, add to that, though, what's lost in the headlines uh, is this fact that, yes, it would have been prescription opioids, but were they illicit or regular, if you will? Um, you know, when, when prescribing, dispensing, giving out an opioid, the concern isn't just for the patient, it's for the family, the friends, the whatever. 
Um, if they're selling a house, the whole real estate thing, the open house idea. It's putting it out, out of our control of health care. And that's what I believe that article brings up. It's not just saying that myself as a clinician with my patient, our relationship is at hand. It's everybody else too. So, heroin or brown sugar, black tar, dragon. Uh, one of the smack terms for it uh, is dragon because when you burn it, if somebody's about to inject it, they burn it in a spoon per se, the smoke cloud's going to come up and somebody said it looks like a dragon. And that's why we have documentaries called Chasing the Dragon in case you want to check one out. Uh, of course, mu receptors and the chemical is two acetyl groups on a morphine. Not that complicated. They even have devices for the poppy that's like a Freddy Krueger thing because you want to be efficient in what you do. Why would you use a knife when you could use the Freddy Krueger thing? How do you make heroin? You're only going to learn it here. Here we go. Here's how you make heroin. <laughs> is Big Brother watching? Is there like a webcam? That's Jeremiah's over there. He's in charge. Anyway, this is how you make heroin. It's like the easiest thing ever. You start with the... This is happening in Mexico as we speak. Uh, time zone. Yeah, we're actually out west. Sweet. So like up in the mountains, you got this witch's cauldron thing, like in Halloween time in a month or two. And you start out with the sticks and the everything of opium. And you purify it. You get rid of the sticks and the leaves. And then you get, when you have that little mixture, you're going to take morphine out of it. Then you're going to add two acetyl groups onto it. And then you're going to salt it. That's it. This is like what we learned in undergraduate studies. It actually is in the books. This, this isn't that hard. That's why it's done everywhere. So, you would think heroin would be the elephant in the room, but turns out, nope. The elephant in the room is what's being laced into heroin across the globe, really. And I'd jump ahead here, but carfentanil, of course. It actually is an elephant tranquilizer. So I found a picture of it in use where it's intended. There's, this is, um, I, I didn't want his face on there for obvious reasons, but it's a guy in a helicopter about to trank an elephant. There's the elephant out of the, you know, picture like Rambo or something, hanging out of the helicopter, and he's about to trank him. Look at his hands, though. This is why I actually have it on here. There's a glove on it. It's about to trank an elephant, and he's got a glove on his hand. Think about that. When I say 10,000 MMEs, I mean the elephant trank guy is wearing a glove. So law enforcement, we don't just, you know, like in the 80s, lick and sniff and all that. You stay away from everything anymore. Um, so that's that in a nutshell. Heroin is relatively strong, but we don't have any clue what the dose is in those dime bags. We, we just don't know. So as much as I could say three, it's practically hogwash because that's where it's legalized and you know the dose. Not here. Fentanyl is like 100 times that and carfentanil is 10,000 times. Just remember that it's an elephant tranquilizer and we have lots of other versions of it that Dr. Fuden's going to be covering, I believe, tomorrow because it's the only day left, so definitely tomorrow um, <laughs> and whatnot. Crocodile, since we're on this opioid theory out here, so let's take a venture over to Russia. No, it's not headlines, sadly. Uh, over in Russia, it's very rural, like my own state of West Virginia. Uh, people are prone to go to these substances. Over there, uh, practically OTC codeine was available. If you do about three different steps, think about that heroin equation there, uh, or process, the, you could take codeine and very easily with these ingredients, make crocodile. The problem with crocodile is not the actual desomorphine, it's the fact that they don't take the products back out. So someone's injecting, and I'm sorry for the graphicness here, but this is literally what people are having happen. They're injecting this desomorphine into them, and they're injecting gasoline into their thighs. And then you get that. It's not the actual opioid that's the problem. It's the, it's the process. Kratom, not, not quite as uh, 
out there, if you will, or thang. Um, we've got an, an anti-inflammatory here, Kappa opioid. Got some of those products coming to market pretty soon, actually. Uh, think out in Southeast Asia, of course, and then pictures that are there. Uh, we've got drug interactions that are of concern with this. And I'm just mentioning this because this is actually making the news a lot more. And it's in the opioid family, if you will, a couple other things as well. But it comes down to if a patient, if a person decides to utilize this because they can't get stuff elsewhere, we have interactions to be concerned about. Salvia, kind of uh, along the same lines there, if you will. Uh, this one I find interesting because if you could put two things together that are hot topics today, would it be an opioid and a cannabinoid? Not every study, but there are some studies out there that show that this actually has endocannabinoid action as well. So an opioid and a cannabinoid. Marvelous. Uh, this is also what would be termed an entheogen. A uh, very basic uh, word to basically say an entheogen is when someone would utilize a substance to clear their mind to get deeper into their faith. So this is, it comes up into some of the slang terms for it, uh, as you can see noted here. Again, interactions galore. Another opioid with other things going on, but interactions galore. And I just showed a map of Mexico, and if you show a map of Mexico, darn well better be the drug cartels. Dextromethorphan. We all heard the song. Uh, Dextromethorphan has a lot going on with it. Uh, if I have a cough, I, I, of course, during pain week, I'm actually getting a sore throat. But if I have a cough and I go to purchase dextromethorphan, I've got to show my ID because I'm over 18 even. It, it, it's craziness, if you ask me. I just have a cough. Let's be real. Uh, but I would be utilizing the dose that's lower. And kind of like we talked about with chocolate, nutmeg, and everything else, quite frankly, it's all about the dose. The higher the dose, now you're entering things. You could actually jump into pain management. We'll get to why. And then after that, you're getting into dissociative kinesia. You're getting all over the place, hallucinations, a, a lot of interesting things. This is what the robo-tripping is all about. Uh, or there's other ones if it's delsum, and orange, and then coracidin, the one particular product is known as Skittles, the slang terms. We got them all. Uh, purple drank. I should have a song with this, right? Purple drank involved this as well, too. A little bit less common these days because everybody figured out, why don't you just take the actual product? Why do you need to be cool and have purple drank? So what this really comes down to and what I want you to leave, to leave you with with dextromethorphan is at the bottom there, but it's all about chirality. This is how I would explain what chirality is. Uh, if that's not working, it's basically mirror images. So... Your attention to the bottom, please. Levorphanol is a rather potent opioid. If you add a methyl group onto the potent opioid of levorphanol and put it in a mirror, you have dextromethorphan. It's kind of backwards. It gets convoluted, but my version is levorphanol, add a methyl, put it in a mirror, and you have dextromethorphan. Some of the specifics are up here for structures in case you're interested. Um, and it's not exactly like it goes backwards, but that's the relationship. That's why there's that you know, cough originally, like codeine, and then pain, like every other opioid, and then euphoria and all those other types of things. So hopefully that helps you. Now, let's talk about an OTC product called Poor Man's Methadone, Loperamide. How many heard about the, it's been in the news, but how many heard about the, the abuse of Imodium? All right, good. So... You all heard about it. What, what's your thoughts on making it a controlled substance since people are abusing it? Yeah, got a yes. We got, we got some people duking it out in the back. 
Well, here's, here's the deal with it. Uh, people had a, were taking 400 tablets of it. If I took 400 Tylenol, which is also OTC, are you going to make it a controlled substance? Sorry, I know, you answered yes. Think about that, the 80-20 rule. Um, it, it's best explained by the bucket. It's a peripheral mu agonist. So if you could figure out how to get that into the central nervous system like they have, then you get the effect. So if you just flood all of the periphery, it's got nowhere else to go but the CNS, and we have heart symptoms, we have all of the crazy stuff going on. It's insanity disguised as also intelligence. If you stop for a second and think about it like that, they figured it out. I am not endorsing or saying that's really smart, but they did have an issue and they figured it out. You're going to have all these QT things like every other drug known to man. Uh, oh, it turns out, by the way, as you see on here, and you probably already know it was a controlled substance. How'd that work out? Anyway, so that, that's the, the, the specifics, if you will. Uh, certainly wanted to respect everyone's time there, but basically just for a reference here for you, it's just what we talked about originally as far as the mechanisms of each of these things. And then here is just the second grouping of what substances classify as that. You know, in case three months from now somebody asks you to do a talk on something or you get a phone call like I got about a year ago from a, an attorney in West, southern West Virginia saying, hey, we've got a, a mass murder case involving marijuana. Uh, the, this uh, chica went to one house with an ax and, and killed people, blood everywhere. Ran down the street, did it to another house. Ran down the street and did it to a th tried to do it th to a third house, and they were apparently bigger than them or something, and they and they stopped her. And the claim was that she smoked a joint 24 hours prior, so she clearly had psychosis. <laughs> she had been using marijuana on a regular basis for the last t 10 or 12 years. This case never went to court, so we could chat about it. <laughs> well, I got the call is just another thing. And then when you get the call, what do you do? What, oh, I, I found out you're a pharmacist who's a marijuana expert. What do you do, call mom? <laughs> anyway, guess what your kid is. Oh, that, that's uh, real-life stuff, though, actually. So, gone are the days, especially if, in case anybody trinkled in in law enforcement or if you're ever working in your communities, uh, trying to help out the community in general, emphasize to everyone that the gone are the days of the touching, the licking, the sniffing, the whatever. Don't go near anything. The worst thing that anybody could see is the white powder. It could be anything like on here and, well, even NutraSweet. Not nutmeg, though. That's brown, right? So we've talked a lot about a lot of things that are off the wall here today, but here's one that I will probably never grasp. Uh, and how I would describe it is I, I worked in a pharmacy once uh, in a tourist area, and one of our, at the time, technicians had it in her head that whenever a pill fell on the floor, it was hers. <laughs> I'm not done. <laughs> It was hers, but it didn't mean that it was the good stuff. The determinant, we found this out later, obviously, but the determination for the good stuff was if it had a marking on it, like a letter or a number. That's the good stuff. <laughs> and then she'd go and have a farming party at the beach. Uh, you know, we laugh about it, and, uh, and that's what I want everybody to do to learn with it, but to realize what's going on out there, that's some severe stuff. You know what we didn't cover? We didn't cover lisinopril, hydrochlorothiazide. You take 20 of them or walk in that party with those, you got problems too. That's what's going on in the world. So, this war on drugs. Uh, for the people in the front, what, what can you tell about that building there? It says a drug-free drug -free school zone. What's ironic about that? 
there's a pharmacy in the background. <laughs> See where I'm going with that, of how the mechanism is the same? It's not a drug-free zone. So I used to live in Baltimore. I lived there for six years, worked in many pharmacies in there. I can tell you stories for hours. The war on drugs in Baltimore involved blue lights. Not blue light, which is a blog that you could use as a reference to, talk, to see what people are doing out in the streets. But these blue lights were put up where if there was a drug deal corner that was identified, put a webcam there and you'll catch them on camera, right? Well, then there's laws and you can't do that because you're not being nice. So you put a blue light on it to signify to the drug dealer that there's a webcam that's watching them. And then these geniuses move to the next block. <laughs> and then here's my city. <laughs> yep. So if you want more info, because it's impossible to cover everything in 50 minutes. I wish this talk was an hour and a half or two hours. Honestly, we'd have even more fun. Put it in the little uh, recommendations, if you will. Um, but here's some more references for you. Blue Light, you'll have a blast with. It's a blog where people are telling you what they're doing. Uh, if you want the clinical, my opinion, the clinical pharmacology reference of the dark web, if you will, Arrowhead's a source. Um, the DEA actually comes out with this, or the, sorry, the International Narcotics Board comes out with this drugs of abuse thing every year in tandem with the DEA, um, and so on and so on for you. On top of that, there's a lot of issues out there and a lot of people that need help. So all laughter aside, here's some... Uh, direct references here for you as well. There's a lot of efforts in the individual states as well as far as where to go. So we've got to go over a couple of things to prove that you learned something today other than Scooby Snacks. Uh, which one of these things is a hallucinogen? You have the slides. Okay. Yep, special K. All right, this one I like. So tonight, you're done with pain week. You go down on Las Vegas Boulevard, and there's a, a young person on the corner next to you because it's going to be busy tonight. It's the weekend in Vegas. This person has a red skin tone color, she's shaking, she's grinding her teeth, and she's profusely sweating. What's she on? You guys are learning. And of course you're going to get this, it does all the above, because the song was really good. All right, last thing on the, drug, uh, the war on drugs. At the risk of having bad grammar, it ain't always a problem. <laughs> that, that's, that's pretty much it, folks. I hope you had a good time today. It's been a heck of a time for me. I love doing this.